Yesterday morning, we began a sermon series on why we do what we do as Christians, and the first part of that series is why we worship. And instead of preaching one sermon later in the service, I decided to break it into four smaller sermons based on the four aspects of our liturgy, the gathering, proclaiming, responding, and sending forth. So this recording, uh, I was unable to make one yesterday because it would have had to record the entire service, so I'm recording on Monday morning the four mini-sermons that I offered yesterday in worship. The first sermon is on the gathering, and the scripture verses are as follows, from Luke 24, 13 through 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not, they did not see him. I haven't been here long, but I have been here long enough to hear a lot of questions about why we do what we do as Christians. Perhaps we have so many questions because so many of us have been going to church for such a long time that we no longer know, or maybe we never learned, what all of this stuff is all about. In the last months, in the last three months, I've heard some of you ponder about why the acolyte carries in the flame for worship, or why we spend time studying the Bible, or what does it really mean to pray, or why in the world do we pass around an offering plate, or why do we give our time to serving others? All of those are great questions, and they are questions we will attempt to answer together over the next month, and today we begin with the question, why do we worship? Over the last 2,000 years, disciples of Jesus have been gathering to worship the living God, from the secretive upper rooms of the first century, to the ornate and opulent cathedrals of Europe, to the contemporary gymnasiums and living rooms filled with folding chairs. Getting together, it's what we do as Christians. So I'd like each of you to take out your bulletins for a moment and scan through the service. Some might call this an order of worship, others will call it the liturgy, and liturgy literally means work of the people, and it is work that we do together to worship God. You will notice that our liturgy is broken into four parts, gathering, proclaiming, responding, sending forth. These four parts have connections to the ancient worship practices of the Israelites, but they can also be specifically connected to the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Throughout our service today, we will have four sermons for the four parts of our worship as they connect with what happened in the Emmaus experience. Jesus gathered the two men on the road. Later, he proclaimed the scriptures and interpreted them. Then they responded by having a meal of bread and wine. And after the disciples' eyes were opened to Jesus' presence, they were sent to proclaim what they had seen and what they had heard. The beginning of our worship takes place through the act of gathering. But when does it actually start? Does worship begin when the choir processes into the sanctuary? Does it start when I, the preacher, begin to speak? Actually, worship begins even before we walk into the building. God is actively involved in gathering us together from the moment we wake up. God is with us in the thoughts we have while driving to church. God is with us in the parking lot when we wave and signal our greetings to our fellow church people. 
and God is with us through the conversations we have in the narthex and while we're waiting in the pews. God continues to gather our focus together as the choir enters the sanctuary singing the prelude, all while following the light of Christ carried by an acolyte. The light is a reminder for us of the light of Christ that shines in the darkness, a light that came into the world in order to transform the world, a light that strengthens us in our worship and in our discipleship. The work of gathering continues through the announcements, silent reflection, and our call to worship. All of these little moments have a purpose, and they allow us to practice our faith. Worship is practice. We do it over and over to tone our spiritual muscles in order to do the work of the Lord in the world. After the liturgist leads us through the call to worship, we begin singing our first hymn. Picking the hymns for worship is easily one of my favorite parts of being a pastor. Spending time every week in the hymnal, humming tunes, and praying about what songs will best fit with what we're doing, it's such a privilege. And this morning, our first hymn will be Come Christians Joined to Sing. It's not some random song that I pulled out of a hat. I specifically chose it because the lyrics and the tune are designed to uniquely gather us together in heart, mind, soul, and body. When the first hymn ends and all of you return to your pews, I then invite us to join in prayer together. The prayers we offer are a sign of our devotion to the people in the pews next to us, as well as a commitment to the world around us. But above all, our prayers are another means by which God gathers us for the work of the church. This is how God gathers us every week, just like God and Christ gathered the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and changed their lives forever. So, let's get gathered. The second sermon is on the subject of proclaiming, and the scripture reading is as follows from Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. After the disciples and Jesus were gathered on the road, after Jesus listened to them ramble on about everything they had seen in Jerusalem, he proclaimed the stories of scripture and interpreted them through his gracious work. However, they were still unable to recognize who he really was. The second part of our liturgy is dedicated to proclamation, speaking words about God's word. We do this because Jesus first did it on the road to Damascus, or on the road to Emmaus, but we also do it because God's word is alive and still speaks into our daily experiences. We proclaim God's word together every week through things like the children's moment, through listening to the choir sing an anthem, through offering a prayer for the reading of the word. We hear scripture read to us, we sing a hymn, and then we listen to a sermon. Our scriptures, more often than not, are picked according to a list called the Revised Common Lectionary which compiles a great assortment of readings over a three-year cycle designed to bring congregations through the great narrative of Scripture. We boldly proclaim these words from the Bible with prayers and hopes that somehow or another God can and will speak through them to us about what following Jesus is all about. One of the wonderful things about being a Christian is that the Revised Common Lectionary is not something unique to the United Methodist Church, but many churches, many denominations follow the Revised Common Lectionary such that the scripture you hear on a Sunday morning might be the very same scripture that your Baptist neighbors hear or your Episcopalian neighbors hear. The middle hymn in our liturgy is usually picked in reference to the specific text or a theme from the text. For instance, today we will sing, Open my eyes that I may see, because Jesus opened the eyes of the two disciples from the Emmaus story when they broke bread together. And we're also calling on God to open our eyes to see how this text is speaking into our lives right now. The sermon... Unlike everything else in the liturgy, is a little harder to explain. Every sermon, like every preacher, is different. Some are funny and lighthearted, others are sad and introspective. 
The point of preaching is to make God's word incarnate again through the ways we respond and live it. This is how God proclaims God's word every week, just like God in Christ proclaimed the scriptures and interpreted them for the disciples on the road to Emmaus. So, let's hear what God has to say to us today. The third sermon is on the subject of responding, and the scripture reading is as follows from Luke 24, 28-32. As they came near the village to which they were going, they walked ahead as if they were going on. But they urged Jesus strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And he was at the table with them. He took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, when he was opening the scriptures to us? Jesus was going to keep on walking, but the disciples invited him to stay with them. And while at the table, he took bread and cup, he gave thanks to God, gave it to them, and only then did they realize who had been with him the whole time. It was only in responding to the words they heard on the road and the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup that Christ became real to and for them. The third part of our liturgy is all about responding to the proclaimed word of God. On most Sundays, we do this by affirming our faith with something like the Apostles' Creed, and then with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. We make public confessions about whom we are and how we understand the world, and we freely give from ourselves because God has given so much to us. However, the best and the most faithful response to God's word happens when we gather at the table like those two disciples did with Jesus. We could break down all the parts of our communion liturgy, but they really deserve their own sermon series. What we can say right now is that this holy meal is what being a Christian is all about. We are invited by God no matter who we are and no matter what we've done. We confess how we have failed to love God our neighbor. We are forgiven. We share signs of Christ's peace, and then we feast. This is how we respond to God's glory in the church and in the world, by feasting at the table just like Jesus did with the two disciples whose eyes were finally opened. So let's see how God enables us to respond to God's word today. The fourth and final sermon is on the subject of sending, and the scripture verses are as follows from Luke 24, 33 through 35. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. I've always wondered what it must have been like to be one of those two disciples sitting at the table when Jesus was revealed. But then I remember that I do know what it was like. For every time we gather around the table, with every brilliant smile and every grateful affirmation, I realize that I'm catching glimpses of Jesus in my midst. The disciples were so moved by their experience of being gathered on the road, of hearing Jesus proclaim the truth and responding to the truth at the table, that they ran back to Jerusalem to share all they had seen and heard. When we are confronted by God's incredible power and glory, we can't help ourselves from sharing what it felt like with others in our lives. The fourth and final part of our liturgy is all about being sent forth into the world. While the notes of the final hymn are still resonating in our souls, while we are contemplating all that we have seen and heard in this place, God sends us into the world to be Christ's hands and feet for the world. And I stand before you, the congregation. I offer a benediction tying the totality of worship together, and then we all follow the acolyte and the light of Christ out of the sanctuary in order to shine God's light in the world. This is how we are sent forth from God's house, just like the disciples ran to tell their friends what had happened. So, let us prepare to be sent forth into the world by the living God. 
I offer this to you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.